Hello, everybody. This is Erica. This is Shari. And this is April. And you are now listening to Three Sykes and a Mic. Just as a disclaimer, although the contents of this show may be educational and therapeutic in nature, this should not be considered a replacement for therapy with a licensed professional. If you would like more information on how you can find a therapist in your area, please contact us on social media. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. From where y'all listening to or listening hello. from? How are y'all doing? Hello. Hey. Good. Wait, we learned how to say hello in, in Polish. Oh, well, I wouldn't say learn. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, do you remember? I don't. I was, Jean, Jean Bray, right? I, I don't know. I'm not even her half. I will not butcher that That's language. so random, so random. But we have great listeners in Poland. And so we... we Look, April said we were taught, right? We were taught. Through, we were told, yeah. Through text, right? Through yes. text. So it, we probably saying it all wrong anyway, because we haven't actually heard anyone say it. But yes, John Debray. If we're wrong, Very please good. let us know. Meaning, if I'm wrong, I let already me know. know. <laughs> you need, don't look. Send it to Shari. Don't send it to me. <laughs> I already know. Send I all the hate mail my way. <laughs> if I attempt it, it will be wrong. So I'm not even gonna bother. Mm-mm. No, but I'm good. I'm good over here on this bright That's Sunday awesome. morning. What about you, Erica? I am hanging in there. Um, <laughs> at this point, I'm just hoping my water doesn't break in the middle of the show. So, <laughs> Girl, yes, we are we hoping are. that along with you. <laughs> but I am what, great. What a, what a birth story, though. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> exactly. Well, it has been a good week, I think. The weather has been beautiful here. It has. Um, I have really enjoyed this this teaser of spring. I say teaser because yes. we always have that, that Easter cold snap or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I am just so happy to have had such beautiful warm weather. Yes. But we've had some... Very interesting things that have happened to the media. I want to cover a few of them. I want to start with the positive. Or wait, you tell me if it's a positive. So, mm, <laughs> I want to. Oh I want to start with the positive, and my positive is coming to America. Finally coming out. Now I know that people have had differing opinions <laughs> about this movie, <laughs> but I personally enjoyed it. Do I think it was the funniest thing that has hit the screen since the first coming to America? Absolutely not. For sure. But I enjoyed it for what I took it as. And it was more so nostalgic for me. And I just enjoyed seeing the references back to the original movie. So I enjoyed watching it. But I understand that others did not feel the same way. And we know when black media get a hold of something we gonna let y'all know how we feel so it heats up it, heats it up. got real ugly real quick <laughs> when this movie it was out. not my favorite um and i literally just watched it last night because i was like this is probably gonna be part of the media minute let me at least know what's going on for once I when we talk about it, media so. minute you haven't watched it i tried and i i had yeah. to cut it off and i, I wanted to even make it through it april 
I was too I was too sleepy. I was um, tired and I was like, I I can't it's not holding my attention and I'm I'm I have already too many questions and thoughts. Like why what it may it, not hold okay. your attention if you're not sleepy. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. I I I didn't have the uh I guess motivation also. Like it wasn't enough for me to be like, oh I'm gonna stay up and finish. It was like what the that little bit, the little bit that I saw, I was like, I wish they wouldn't have called it a sequel. Like, right. maybe, I don't, but I mean, it wouldn't have been, it just, I, it was so different in even tone and, but I'm not knocking it. Like, I just need to get my mind ready. Right. When yeah. I watch it again. <laughs> like, okay, April, you know what you're about to walk into that's the thing for me like I'm I'm not knocking it at all because you know I appreciate any time we can have our black people on the stage you know doing their thing but it was definitely like I like what you said April the tone of it was different so it gave me very much like a nutty professor Mm. vibe like I was telling Erica you know in the first coming to America Eddie Murphy and Arsenio they play multiple characters but they were embedded in the story. Those characters were embedded when it got to this one. And what I think happened even in like the Nutty Professor series and like Norbit and all of that, the movie kind of felt like it was, or scenes felt like they were written for that other character to be a part of it. And so that's kind of what the movie felt like. It didn't feel like the characters were embedded. It felt like, oh, well, we got to write a scene for such and such. So let's, go over here and write this scene or we got to put this scene in. So let's write this scene. And I think the integrity of coming to America got lost uh, in that um, process. Right, so, right. Yeah. I got hung up and I don't know, I could be completely wrong, but I got hung up in the mathematics. Yeah, like the time. Yes, because I kept saying, oh, they're going to reveal that this isn't his son. And I didn't get that. I didn't even get that far. But that never happened. This this is why I got hung up on the mathematics, because I just thought for sure that they would, because they said he went to America 30 years ago. Yeah, 30 years ago. But the boy was turning 31. (laughs) I feel like somebody should have caught that in editing. That's what I'm saying. And I kept saying, okay, maybe they meant to say over 30 years ago he Uh, went to America, but they were saying it's been 30 years. Yeah, they kept saying 30 years. 30 years. And I got hung up on the fact that he turned 31 on his birthday. And I was like. And how the guys from the barber shop were still alive. Still alive. 30 years later. later. But anyway, so that's what I mean when I say. Because. Like, they were such pivotal characters. Like, I'm okay. I, I will suspend reality for that. Because it's like, that. Though they're classic. I mean, I haven't seen that part. But I'm like, I'm okay with that. Because those were my favorite scenes. Uh-huh. So, it's like, all right. If it's going to make it better, okay. It don't have to make sense. Yeah. But if you're telling me just the math on birth ain't even right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, it was... You know, it was, it was what it was. It's probably not going to be a movie that I watch again. Uh. <laughs> but it was just really interesting. It was inter- like the 
the musical numbers they had. The because the, I was like, why is everybody in this movie? Everybody and they cousin mean, was in this movie. <laughs> I was like, is that Rick Ross? Like, what is happening? That was his that house. Was his house, right? girl. I get it, but come on, man. Right. Just loan your house. That, you ain't got to be. No, that's probably on his, uh, <laughs> the waiver. If you, I got to have a cameo. Right. If you're going to use my house. He's like, you got to pump my IMDb up. Come on now. Sad card. Okay. Right. Listen, let me, let me get a sad card today. No. All right. But yeah. So, but I absolutely did appreciate the black commentary because we're just, we're mm-hmm. good about that. So I did absolutely. appreciate that. But speaking of commentary, <laughs> there was some other media things that happened that were not so great. So um, today in white media, or this week in white media, um, we had um, a sports commentator who was um, responsible for commentating a a girl a women's basketball game a girls basketball game for Oklahoma high school and was caught basically being himself because he thought the camera was turned off so the situation was this uh commentator his name is Matt Rowan and he's the owner of OSPN which is a live streaming platform Um, that I guess, you know, provides broadcasting services. And so they were broadcasting over the internet. And the team, when it was time to go on break for them to do the national anthem, the team chose to kneel. And the commentator basically had a whole little moment where when the team started to kneel, he was like effing inwards. You know, basically how dare they... Neil, and he was like, I hope they effing lose. Now, he didn't say this once. (laughs) He didn't say it twice. I counted three times. And yes, I did listen and count. (laughs) And he said this three times. But that isn't the part that is, you know, interesting to me. This is just, you know, an example of a Tuesday. But the part that got me was his statement following what he did. And I'm going to read y'all his statement. And I just want you to tell me what your reaction is. So he puts out a statement or his attorney puts out a statement and it says, I made inappropriate and racist comments, believing that the microphone was off. I think that it should have stopped right there because that, that part was the truth. You made those inappropriate and racist comments because you thought you were off the air. That's the truth, and that's where I believe you Mm. need to stay. But no, he goes on. However, let me state immediately, that is no excuse. Such comments should have never been uttered. However, I'm sure you utter those comments on a very regular basis as you sit around your table, as you watch television with your family, probably your children, and they shouldn't be uttered yet. They probably get uttered often. He goes on to say, (laughs) I will state I suffer from type 1 diabetes and during the game my sugar was spiking (laughs) sir let me just say that I could be wrong and maybe I don't know a whole lot about Tourette's syndrome but the last time I checked type 1 diabetes and Tourette's 
and uncontrollable spurts of racism were not part of the diagnosis. That's crazy. He goes on to say, (laughs) while not excusing my remarks, it is not unusual that when my sugar spikes, I become disoriented and often say things that are not appropriate as well as hurtful. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is the new excuse put out by Matt Rowan, owner of OSPN, live streaming platform, (laughs) as to what might cause a white man to spew racist commentation. So I'm just wondering... Wow. Your thoughts. Wow. That's my first thought. Like, wow. One, his, whoever is his PR person should be fired. Like, that is not how you come back. He has none. There's no way. (laughs) He should be fired. They should be fired. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. It doesn't even make sense. You know, I would have even appreciated just saying, you know what? I, I will own that. I do have some racist feelings and thoughts that I know come from you know family background history whatever type 1 diabetes sir that's that's the best you could do my blood sugar spike and I called someone and I said f and n word three times like you said right (laughs) (laughs) three times wow wow yeah it should have stopped just at the I thought my mic was off or just say nothing. I don't know. Like, just, just you're better off saying nothing because it's going to pass in a week. Nobody would have been talking about it. Now you've extended the, extended it with this horrible <laughs> excuse, especially if you know you're not really sorry. Like, because now, right. really, you blaming diabetes? <laughs> the sugar? No. My sugar. My sugar but, but that's also, like, spike. the other t- <laughs> What was the guy when remember when people were blaming mental illness or you know them being having a bad day when they would have these racist outbursts? It's mm-hmm. like yes, you know I've worked in a psych hospital and it mm-hmm. that you know I've seen people in psychotic states and very few times do I hear the n word. Now they may say they're Jesus, but right. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting how that's always a symptom of for, for mental illness for certain people. Right. Like, why can't we just own... I've even heard people make the claim, make the argument that, that being racist should be put in the DSM. Have y'all heard no. that? No, thank God, because that's horrible. You say no, Shari. No, I haven't heard it before. I've, I've heard that being, you know... Not, I don't know if they're serious, but because of that whole claim of it's a mental illness, if we treat it like a mental illness, and I'm going, but to treat it like a mental illness means, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I can't begin to comprehend how that would work because a lot of times I'm like, if you're racist, some people are choosing. Does that mean people could get a check? Could you get disability? I wish you. Now? I wish they would get a give you a check for being a racist. <laughs> like, what type of accommodations do you get? They would. You, well, because if it's a mental, if it's if it's in a DSM as a mental illness, mm-hmm. and that is covered under ADA, can you imagine teaching and your te- your student is like, 
I get to call you nigger every three hours because it's my accommodation. <laughs> or because I haven't eaten breakfast and my sugar is spiking or dropping. Like, come on. Oh, my God. Like, who? What kind of world is that? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't get fired. I get to take FMLA for calling some people a nigger because it's just crazy to me. Like, just no. the the links. But anyway, so that's that's my that's my media minute. That's, everybody been showing out this that's week, insane. though. Yeah, people been showing out. That's crazy. That's like, uh, did you see the um, Sharon Osbourne and Cheryl Underwood? Oh yes, I did. <laughs> did you see her apology? I did. <laughs> you didn't. You, did you see any of it? No. Y'all know. Y'all know. We know what's going on. This way we need a clip. Yes. So Sharon Osbourne is on um, the show The Real, which is, I guess, I want to say like a the talk more hip or younger version of the, the talk. Lord, is so many. Yeah, the talk, the real, the view. <laughs> um, so anyway, Sharon Osbourne was on Twitter and she was defending Pierce Morgan. It was like, you know, I stand with Pierce. And at some point on the show, I don't know because I didn't watch the show. I've only seen the clips. Cheryl Underwood and Elaine Wolteroth, I think, confronted or asked Sharon about her comments. Um, somehow it came up. So mm-hmm. Sharon Osbourne goes on the most disrespectful rant towards Cheryl Underwood and say how dare you call me racist show educate me and don't and so Cheryl Underwood is tearing up and she's like dabbing her eyes she's like don't you dare cry if anyone should be crying I should be crying educate me on how I'm edu- I mean is yelling educate me to Cheryl and Cheryl Underwood bless her heart she was so calm and measured in how she responded to Sharon I mean I was so mad on her behalf and she and I listened to Cheryl Underwood on the Tom 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 Jorner show the next day was saying how she felt that was God um like saying I it was a sign of her maturity and growth and that every person every black person has had that experience the only difference with her is the cameras on her and she Mm -hmm. knew she had to be that calm she could not respond in any other type of way and so Cheryl Sharon Osborne put out this horrible weak apology and did not apologize to Cheryl Underwood in that mm. apology she said you know as I've reflected and heard you know I just felt blindsided and I acted out of defensiveness I'm like yeah but you did not acknowledge the way you spoke to Cheryl and Cheryl even acknowledged their friendship in how she was responding she was like what I see is a person who I consider a friend and I was like that's the only thing that saved Sharon is that Cheryl was like this is my friend who is responding in a way and also I got these cameras on me and if I respond like I want to mm-hmm. nothing's gonna get hurt mm-hmm. um but the I mean it was peak white woman tears peak wow. um like I, I said, it was very Missy Ann energy. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. what really got me, right? So I often say white women use their tears to disarm, like to to basically um, disarm any kind of truth that's being um, 
spoken and the fact that Cheryl was actually having an emotional moment. It was like, how dare you use my tactic? Because I see it. I feel like it was genuinely an emotional moment, you know, for Cheryl to hear someone that she considers a friend speaking to her in that manner. When I think Sharon was going to use her tears as how dare you attack me because no one was attacking her, but it's like that word. It's like attack and the, the, the white tears are a weapon. Yeah. And I think that was the part that really bothered me about the whole exchange was when she tried to shut her down from feeling a very genuine feeling in that moment. And at the end of the day, it's not Cheryl's job to educate you. Thank you. Like, that's not what she's there for. That's not her job. Thank you. Wow. It's your responsibility to educate yourself when someone says, hey, what you're saying is offensive. You know, and I think people get, that's where that thing where it's like, you know, your intent and the impact are two different things, right? So if, if, if I say like what you're saying is, is offensive and racist, then it's not my job to then educate you around what that means. Mm-hmm. It's your responsibility. Exactly. And for those of you who don't know what happened with the Pierce Morgan thing, Pierce Morgan um, is, is he just like a TV personality or he's on like, um, a morning show over in, um, I want to say it's London in the or UK, UK somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, he's always making very dis- disparaging remarks about um, the Princess of Sussex, Meghan Markle. And um, he was confronted <laughs> about his remarks and basically said, I'm not doing this. He did not want to hear um, that it causes his co-workers a lot of distress for him to to say the negative things that he says that seem racist and um, about Meghan Markle, and he was confronted and walked off of his show um, in anger, and she was saying, I support him. And they were just trying to, to point out that, you know, in your support of him, people are just wondering if you're supporting him or if you're supporting, you know, the racist comments that he has often, you know, spewed about um, Meghan Markle. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, lots going on, lots going on. Wow, a lot happening in the media this past couple, well, this week, you know, the, all of that happened over this past week, so... You know, the world still turns, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> the world is still racist. Very. Eddie Murphy is making movies on the Tyler Perry studio. I don't know if that had an impact on Girl. perceived quality, as we also yeah, know Rick that. Ross House. I'm just. <laughs> and we've got <laughs> uh, diabetes as a possible diagnosis for racism. That's horrible. That is horrible. What a 2021. (laughs) (laughs) What a time to be alive, right? (laughs) Exactly. 
Well, you all, we are going to roll right on into our episode topic here. Um, So one of the things that I think is really cool to talk about, um, and I enjoy talking about it, but I know that we have very different thoughts around um, this topic and thoughts around this word, Um, but the word is self-betrayal, right? And it's one of the things that I often um, think about and often kind of excuse me, one of the things that I often think about and often try to monitor within myself, uh, because I've had instances, many instances of self-betrayal, but really wanted to talk about the many different ways in which we can betray ourselves and looking at what that actually means um, and talking a little bit about um, ways in which that could present itself in our daily lives um, and being able to let that go, um, grow, and then move past. And so really talking about ways in which we can uncover um, what that may look like within our daily journey or, you know, over periods of time. But um, with talking about this topic with both Erica and April, we have different thoughts around it. And so to even kick it off, I wanted to start in with asking and checking in with you all around what do you think, how do you define or do you define self-betrayal? in a way that can happen daily, that can um, be something that we bump into in our lives. So what do you all think about that topic, that word? I think for me, when I hear self-betrayal, I think of something very big. I think of uh, a, a moral failing, not like a a small misstep, but a moral failing. It's a bigger idea, I think, for me. Um, I think about this kind of process of I have this moral value or I have this, you know, decided expectation of myself. I did not follow through with that. I failed to meet that standard, that expectation of my moral or or my value standing and now I feel extreme guilt so it's like a big huge thing for me so when I think about self-betrayal I think about some very major maybe almost life-altering event that has led to significant guilt shame if others know about it Um, so it's like it's a really intense and deep kind of experience I think that's how I see it Mm -hmm. yeah that's how I think I I view it very similarly um like when I hear the word betrayal to me that is huge that's not something that's a daily thing like betrayal is like I don't know analogous to to treason like of a country like it's a (laughs) it's a breaking of a pact Mm -hmm. of a a loyalty so and it's also very such a huge. I think I think it carries a lot of judgment to it as well. Particularly when you say self betrayal, because I, I I almost envision like finger wagging versus um, oh I'm not you know I didn't I didn't do what I said I would do on this day. Like it's a I don't know. It's like kind of like what Erica said, like something huge. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I've just always been really big on like word language and words so that's yeah it's not something Absolutely. that I would use for 
self-betrayal would be like I caused physical harm to a person and that's a value that I hold dear is you don't put your hands on people but I put my hands on someone like that is kind of what I think of something like self-betrayal like a huge value system for sure and I think about it definitely a little different um I definitely think there are different um when we think about the continuum of betrayal there are different ranges of betrayal I think that there can be really large betrayals um a lot like you all are are speaking of um but I also think that there can be kind of these small acts of betrayal that we do um, that can lead to really large ones. Um, and so when I think of betrayal, I think of just a violation of your, of, of a person's trust, a violation of your of confidence, or even just kind of like your, the way that you value something. So your moral standard. And I often think that those things, those betrayals that we can do for ourselves can happen, um, in a small contents, like I betray my trust in small ways. And I also betray my trust in very large ways, um, the way in which I trust myself. Uh, and so it's very interesting to hear like what even just the word betrayal means to others and how that can impact the way in which you think about betrayal as a, as a, as an action or as a, as a function of an action. Mm-hmm. What would you consider a an example of like a, a self betrayal? Yeah, um, I think there are a couple. So I was telling you all before the episode when thinking about it, I actually made a list of things that could be considered as um, a self betrayal. Um, one of them, especially for me here recently, I've been thinking about is ways in which I stack my schedule, right? So if I am saying that I value um, being able to exist in a way that allows me to express my values, and, and for me, my values are now moving into more relational, like being able to be around um, a community mm-hmm. and build a community for myself. And so if I am stacking my schedule to where it's like, I've got this going on, I've got this going on, and it's not in alignment with that value, I often think that that is a betrayal of of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a very long time, even like 2019, cause you know, everything stopped in 2020, mm-hmm. 2019, I felt like I was just running from thing to thing to thing. Mm-hmm. Like I always would say like, man, I just feel like I'm running. Like I've got this going on. I've got this going on. And I close out this event to go to this other event. I'm leaving this event early and I don't feel like I'm being able to be present with my community. Mm -hmm. And I had to sit with myself and say like, Shari, what does that mean? Like, why do you continue to do this where you are over booking yourself or over basically over dedicating myself Mm -hmm. so that my needs and my values were not getting met Mm -hmm. because I had so much going on and I viewed that as a betrayal of myself. Um, And so when I think about self-betrayal, I think about instances like that. um, But I know that you all think about like may use different words Mm -hmm. when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. I, you know, as we were preparing for the show, I looked at this article that was posted in psychology today on self-betrayal. And it kind of, 
put self-betrayal on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And it basically said that self-betrayal was essentially you not, um, let's see, how did they word it? It was not living your truth and forcing yourself to sacrifice your needs and sacrifice your um, attempts for self-actualization, like becoming your true authentic self. And so when I think about how it's talking about it there, I can kind of see where you're coming from about like the smaller kind of Mm -hmm. daily Mm -hmm. um, things that we do. But I have a, I guess I'm having a hard time with accepting that that word, the language. Like April kind of mentioned, like it's the linguistics, it's the words are. Um, I I'm having a hard time like clinging on to that. Yeah, yeah. Is there a word you would use in the place of it? Like, what would you, how would you describe it? Uh, I think just dis- disappointment or even. I think I think I. I take issue with naming, ev- giving everything a huge, like, weight. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of how, like, people call everything toxic in a narcissist. It's like, no, there are variations. <laughs> like, if you if you label everything a betrayal, like, it, de- it doesn't give room for those smaller, like, so if, if my value is, is, um, time but there's a week that I don't honor that I don't consider that betraying myself I consider that okay you need to you know get back get realigned you've you've come up because I think as humans that's kind of life like values aren't static and they aren't things that like this is my value I'm always going to lift it's like no there are going to be times in life where for whatever reason circumstances decisions Mm -hmm. you're not going to be always aligned I don't think that's a betrayal unless it is maybe the the consequence maybe is what determines as a betrayal I think that's the thing mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. is because even if I think if I feel a person betrayed me it's not because um uh, they I don't know they they took my last gummy bears like it would be <laughs> a huge thing so what yeah, I think you of wouldn't myself use that as word as self-betrayal it would yeah, it would have to be something where I'm like, ooh, I'm going to have to stand before God and, like, justify this. That's when I think of a self-betrayal. Like, I had a baby and I hid it and nobody, like, it would be right that versus, like, ah, oh, I didn't like, really, uh, like, live alongside, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's interesting. That is very interesting way to think about it. Um you know, and, and I think kind of like what you were saying earlier, April, I mean, Erica, about just like the sacrifice, like sacrificing the needs of yourself or sacrificing the values that you have for yourself. And maybe that would be a different word, you know, um, when it comes to like either self-sacrificing or self-disappointment or things of that nature, you know. Um, but I think that these things do come up and I often think we don't discuss it because there is this amount of um what do I call it what do I name it what is it um are there moments in which I 
um, disappoint myself or sacrifice myself beyond where I feel comfortable doing that. And who do I talk to about that? Mm -hmm. How do I discuss that? Um, how do I talk to myself about that? Mm -hmm. Um, because I do think it happens regardless of what we call it, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless if we call it betrayal, disappointment or sacrifice, there are moments in which we don't show up for ourselves when we act in ways that put our values and our needs aside. And oftentimes we feel a way about that once we realize that we're doing it, Mm -hmm. you know, um, whether it is when we're in relationship with other people. Um, I can look back on relationships, both romantic and friends and family relationships where it's like, you know what, I am really what I would define as self-betraying myself in these relationships. And it's causing me to lose trust in myself, to kind of lose a level of esteem in myself and how I define myself. Mm -hmm. And so I think that these things definitely happen um, throughout our lives and we oftentimes don't discuss them. Mm -hmm. So I guess if I had to think along those lines, my, I guess my self-betrayal would be not asking for help. Call it what you want to call it, girl. You don't have to use self-betrayal. Uh-uh. Because that's the thing. Like, I don't want to get hung up on the word, mm-hmm. right? But hung up on, I would like for us to talk about, like, what it looks like. So people can start, one, to define it for themselves. Because I'm really big on, like April said, words do mean something. Mm-hmm. And so don't use the words that others give to you. Um, Use the words that make sense for your life. I'm not sure so, yeah. what word I would, like, I don't know, like, mm-hmm. what label I would give it. Yeah, that's cool, though, because that means that you can explore Mm -hmm. what it means for you. No, I was going to say in this context, I guess the thing that comes up for me is the not asking for help, because I think that's been a theme in my life. That's a big one. So I, I tend to think of, am I living in a way that is authentic and that is serving me Mm -hmm. and not necessarily in a self-centered way, but like. Is this adding to my peace? Am I going to be okay with this decision? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess I'm kind of questioning whether or not it is something that needs to be talked about to others. Because um, I don't think that just because something isn't talked about to others that it's necessarily um, a secret or it's being held. Um, because if it's about self, then that's something I need to work through I don't I don't have to go to another person now if I go to another person probably my therapist like tell me work through it but when I think about the times that like if I've really struggled with something that I felt was like a value or I wasn't living along with my values I spent most of that time talking to myself about if that makes sense and I didn't really because it had nothing to do with other people other people just were the, the symptom of something else going on so although other people may have been um, maybe affected or impacted by it. At the end of the day, it was, I got to figure out what's going on. So that's when I, I immediately think of, yeah, I'm probably going to go to my therapist with that to say, like, let me talk through it or I'm going to journal, journal it out. Um, but that's the only time I could, when I'm thinking of like, when have I felt um, like I wasn't because I think there's a difference between like, oh, I feel short of something versus like. I am not feeling myself like I am not I'm doing stuff because I want other people to do it or I'm or I'm disregarding 
um like my conscious type of thing yeah yeah those are the type of things that I tend to just work through more so like in just kind of a self-reflection type of thing which I think fits that the self-actualization piece right because it's kind of a personal Mm -hmm. process like a personal journey that we go through and I don't think we really involve other people in that but it is a process and I wonder if you know like how do you actually work on those 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 personal kind of things yeah yeah because it is a process whether it is alone or whether it is with your therapist or someone that you view as a trusted um a trusted person in your life um you know but I think the first step is being able to acknowledge that it's happening and I think for us as psychologists we have been taught we've been trained in how to do self-reflection right how to one notice when we might be um misaligned or when we might not be authentic or showing up as authentic in our lives and then being able to reflect on that and say hey let me sit with that let me let me put some time to myself to be able to sit with that but I don't know if that is something that readily shows up for others and so I think being able to just have this conversation where it's like well what do I call that and is that happening for me and what might that look like I think that's something that could begin that process for others who may not have given themselves space to be as self-reflective. For sure. Well, I think some other, um, so as I was like looking up and kind of thinking through what this might look like, I'm just going to list some of the things that came up for me. Um, So one is, like I said, you know, overbooking myself, having too many distractions, so that I don't have time to be um, reflective or self-aware. Mm-hmm. Another one for me is wearing a mask in situations, um, pretending to be okay when I'm not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also pretending to be this person when I'm around a certain group of people and then pretending to be somebody else when I'm around a certain group of people that doesn't allow me to, like April says, show up authentically as myself mm-hmm. in the world. Um, saying yes out of obligation. So saying yes to a lot of things because I feel obligated Mm -hmm. to those things, not necessarily because it's connecting to my value and connecting to who I truly want to be and represent in the world. Um, That's one that for me um, is pops up often. Mm -hmm. And then um, as I was looking, one that was really huge was shaming and guilting yourself when you were acting out of survival mode. Mm. Um, And so this may come up when you're in situations um, or in interactions with others that you feel like I've got to do this to survive or I've got to act in this way or engage in this way to survive. And then when you look back on it, you start to guilt or shame yourself as opposed to allowing yourself to say, I did what I needed to do in that moment to survive whatever it is, you know, a hard relationship or trauma or whatever it might be. Um, and not shaming yourself or coming back and saying, why did you do that? You know, um, why were you this person? Um, so being able to allow yourself to forgive yourself in that situation. Um, so those are some of the things that popped up for me as I was thinking through, um, ways in which I, 
don't always show up as authentic as I want to, don't show up for myself, don't show up with my needs and my values at the very front of the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you mentioned the one about um, not showing up as your authentic self, it made me think about our episode on code switching, right? And um, how that looks and like, is that a, is could that actually be looked at as a betrayal? Like you're betraying your authentic self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me point. of, and that brought up that, that this example on that episode, when April and I were having a conversation, I was going to go meet some friends and I was like, ah, oh, I'm really having a lot of just like anxiety about going to meet these people. And April's like, why? Like, what's going on? I was like, oh, I just feel like I gotta, I can't be my whole self when I'm around mm-hmm. them. And she was just like, why not? Like, just show up as who you are mm-hmm. in that situation. Because that, to me, was a self-betrayal. Every time I'm around this group of people, I'm muting parts of myself or like muting who I am and who I, who I want to show up in the world as. Mm-hmm. And that was a self-betrayal for me. And until April said something, I was just kind of like, well, this is what I got to mm-hmm. do, you know? It's how I got to show up as opposed to really sitting with that and saying like, no, what would it look like if you were to be authentic in this space? Mm-hmm. What were you, what would it look like if your values did show up and your needs were communicated in this space? Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, was an example of how I think about it and how being able to talk to a trusted friend, someone else allowed me to see it in a way that I hadn't seen it before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think for me, um, anything, most of my things will always center around self-respect. Like, am I sacrificing my self-respect? Am I, um, like I always think about, like, at the end of the day, I'm going to have to have to look at myself in the mirror. Am I going to be able to look at myself in the mirror and be okay mm-hmm. with this? Or am I going to, is this going to have me tossing and turning at night? Mm-hmm. Um, those are the things I think that would be on like one end of the extreme or of the spectrum. And then on the other end would be like, now, you know, that wasn't right. Like you need to fix that or don't do that again would be kind of like on the other end and kind of how I gauge or recognize is what sticks out. Mm-hmm. Um, like what's still on my mind. Cause if I'm thinking about it, then it is obviously bothering me or it's, it's, it's pulling at my attention for a reason. So I typically have a rule. I like, I, I tend to be a processor because my, my, I, I overthink. So I like to give myself time to make sure I'm not overreacting. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that may mean I may come back to some two weeks later, be like, okay, so this thing happened because <laughs> I had to think through it, make sure I wasn't, you know, reading into it, make sure I wasn't, you know, having other things influencing it. But, um, but what that has allowed me to do is some stuff I'm not going to think about the next day. Like mm-hmm. it may have been like, eh, bothered that moment, but then 24 hours later, it's no big deal. But if it's still kind of on my mind, that's usually an indicator um, that you might need to think about this and figure figure some things out. But for most things, I tend to give myself grace so much mm-hmm. because I haven't in the past. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm out here just living life reckless, but I have made a conscious effort not to let shame and guilt dictate my life. So when it comes up, I'm pretty intentional about like, all right, we need to work through this. 
are you gonna like you gonna fix it what you need to do to fix it can it be fixed like what you got it and if i can't do it on my own calling up somebody like all right give me let me get an appointment real quick i need to think through this exactly because i know what it's like to be on the other side of that on the other extreme mm-hmm. um so yeah that's usually kind that's of good what i just think of like listen listen to yourself like what is what's sticking out uh what doesn't that's feel good. right like i think you know when you are in a situation or you you're acting in a way that's not you because it takes a lot of energy to pretend to be something you're not and um after a while that's going to get tiring so mm-hmm. you gotta that's i think exhausting. decide yeah yeah, that's good. I think you really um, pointed out some really good things. One, how to know if you're moving into that territory yeah. of not being authentic or, you know, sacrificing yourself beyond where you feel comfortable or, you know, really um, betraying yourself in ways like how to know, like checking in and being like, am I still thinking about this three weeks later? Am I still like beating myself up over it? Because I know for me, it's usually like, ugh, I'm like taking myself through the fire you know I'm beating myself up over it or my anxiety is increased because I'm worrying about it you know I the way that I behave I'm worried about it or I'm like replaying it how could I have done it different so like you pointed out how to know and then you pointed out ways to start decreasing it like how to overcome it right so I like that giving grace that's a huge one, giving yourself Absolutely. grace. And I think that's why I think about it in such grand ways because, you know, I think I do tend to try to give myself a little bit of grace. But like when it comes to big things, and sometimes I feel like we make decisions because even though it is a vi- like a betrayal, we feel like the consequences are so much more dire that we make the decision mm-hmm. to self-betray. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's where that decreasing the shame Mm -hmm. and the guilt comes in handy and really being able to say most of the time, I honestly believe that most of the time people are operating and doing the best that they can. And why would that be any different for me? Um, As opposed to me being like, you could have did better. You knew you knew better. You should have did better, you know, and so really allowing myself to experience that belief about. Most of the time, people are doing the best that they can. Most of the time, I am doing the best that I can. And I can give myself grace and I can forgive myself in these moments where I may be showing up inauthentic or I may be showing up in ways that I believe betray my values and my needs. And one of the other things that I think is a good way to decrease some of this is to believe that you deserve good things. Because I, when I think about ways in which in relationships that I have betrayed myself and stayed in those situations, those friendships, those family relationships, those romantic relationships, oftentimes it came out of the thought of, um, and April, you've talked about this, this, this scarcity thought or scarcity mindset. If I leave, nothing else is going to come my way. Or if I sever this relationship, I'm not going to get anything better than this. And so believing that you deserve good things and good things are out there can be a way for you to decrease some of the um, inauthenticity that you may be experiencing when you're in other relationships. Yeah, that's good. And that to me, for me, it it keeps going back to self-respect because most of the things that I felt the most guilt about had to do with I felt like I disrespected myself 
either in allowing something to happen or engaging in something. Right. And so I sometimes have to say, what message are you telling somebody? What message are you sending in this behavior? What are you communicating that it's okay to be treated? Um, so whether that's in a workplace, whether that's in personal relationships, I like, are you telling someone or a thing yeah. or entity that you will accept this? And that's usually when I would be like, Ooh, okay, get it together because no, <laughs> that's, that's a no. So let's figure out why are you saying it? Yeah. And that's something I will always be grateful for. What my first therapist asked me, when we were talking about a situation. She asked like, what did you get from it? Cause she was like, we're not, we might not about to sit here and just beat yourself up for the next hour. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. What did it give you? Because you were there mm-hmm. for a reason. You mm-hmm. knew it was bad when you. So what did you get out of it? And when you're able yeah. to have that honest conversation, then you can begin to do the other stuff of like, okay, well, how did I get there? What can I do to undo it? And then in smaller interactions, I think of I, I like the phrase of when did I, I was in my best mm-hmm. self in that moment, and I think those tend to be hard as well because it really bothers like it's one thing if I got to deal with the consequences like I said it's between me and my guy I'm the one that got to deal with that but if I know I acted in a way that harmed someone else that's a little bit more difficult Mm -hmm. and I think one thing I had to come to terms with is like you just gonna have to be okay with being the villain in somebody's story fact and you can try to make amends you can you know do what you need to do to apologize try to make it right but a person is entitled to not be okay you know and so that was something i think when it comes to grace is that's a part of is just accepting reality of like that just may be how they think of you and there's Mm -hmm. really little you can do if you've you know tried you got to kind of leave it at that yeah yeah that's good Mm -hmm. that's good i think this is a really good topic to think about um like i said whatever we call it you know i'm (laughs) i'm I'm good with being like you know words they do mean something and you have to really when we think about authenticity Mm -hmm. you know use words that mean something for Mm -hmm. you and so i like that we use different words to describe this engagement and just kind of this experience. Um, so as we wrap up, did you guys have any like takeaways that you'd want people to walk away with? I was thinking about that. And I think the the takeaway is recognizing that it can happen in big or small ways and to give yourself grace. Like April was saying, be, be decent human beings. Um, and when you fall, try to, you know, figure out what caused it, but then aim for decent and shoot higher. You can overshoot it, but at least aim for decent. Yeah, I like that. I think my takeaway would be around like self-forgiveness and, you know, if there are spaces where you feel like you have upset yourself or disappointed or, you know, moved beyond where you feel comfortable with your needs and your values, being able to move into self-forgiveness, which is a whole, that's a whole nother topic right there. Um, Cause it's a really big journey um, being able to forgive yourself for some of the ways in which you may have betrayed or disappointed or sacrificed yourself. So yeah, that's my takeaway. Awesome. That good was job, good. Y'all. Yeah, that was dope. <laughs> Well, who is doing Send One Year Love? Oh, that's me. Sorry. I don't know why I was like, who's next? <laughs> um, <laughs> that is funny. 
Um, all right. So now it's time for the segment of Sin When You're Love. Look, I was about to do we... it and I was like, I can't remember if it's And me. I'm sitting here like glance looking over like, okay, who got it? It's me. <laughs> That's funny. Look, uh, welcome to a Sunday morning. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is episode top part of words april this is the part of the episode where we send our love out to a person a thing an entity does anyone have anything they'd like to or anyone they'd like to send their love out to well i'll go (laughs) i will (laughs) i will send my love out to erica Um, thank you she did not go into labor on the show today Yes. <laughs> which would have been awesome you know, just to have so a, good right? to play to play back like that would have been right. like our season finale <laughs> season finale come to back back to the baby when she gets old like this is this is the moment you tried to enter the world right so so sending love and and peace uh calm nerves throughout Please. the day and the next couple of days. thank you thank you i appreciate that I want to send my love just to like my family and friend group. Like I have such wonderful people in my life. And I just realized that over the years, I've done some pretty good filtering, I think, because my group of just just people that are in my life, just in general, have just been great. Like, just kind words like I don't think people realize like during this time just like words mean so much you know just knowing that you're supported means so much and it has just been it's made this very not (laughs) not beautiful process (laughs) um beautiful but not beautiful process so much more bearable for me And I just, I think about people who don't have that kind of support. And I'm just so very, very, very grateful to everyone. So I'm I'm sending my love to my whole tribe, family, friends, just everybody. I just, I love y'all and I appreciate everything. Yeah, yeah, that's what's up. Um, I kind of want to echo that. Like, I want to send my love to, like, my the, my group of friends, right? And if that's y'all, you, April, um, but also just, like, friends that aren't, that aren't necessarily on the show. Karina, Tiffany, um, my ATL family, who is constantly trying to get me to move to Atlanta, <laughs> uh, Charles, Terrence, and Jolena, and everything. Like, it's been a really rough week for me um it's around the the time of my dad's passing and so that week is always really difficult and just people who have just checked in or read the blog and shared like this has really touched me and you know like just the grieving process is a hot mess and so um specifically yesterday april reached out and was like hey you know i'm i'm out and you know, I was like, I'm moving slow. I'm having a bit of grief today. And just the empathy of like, you know, come out if you can, but if not, like you don't have to, but you know, still being there and just really being a part of that journey. It means a lot because it's really hard and grief is very isolating. 
And so, um, and I know that a lot of my friends have not lost parents. And so it can be a really isolating Mm. experience, but being able to know that you've got people who are like, girl, whatever you need, you need to come out. You need to stay in, like I'm here. You need to laugh. You need to cry. Like whatever you need to do, let's do it. You know? Um, and so that means a lot. And like you said, Erica, a lot of people don't have those support systems. And so I'm extremely grateful and extremely like full of love to be able to have that be a part of my life. And I'm going to stop talking because my voice shaking and I start crying because I'm a crybaby. So let's wrap it up, ladies. Oh, <laughs> well, this is good. That was heartfelt. Yeah. I love you. It's real. Yeah. Well, thank you all listeners for joining us once again on another show. We truly, truly appreciate you for listening. Um, please continue to follow us on social media. We can be found at Three Sacks and a Mic. That is the number three Sykes and a mic. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and we do ask that you leave us comments, um, leave us um, ratings and reviews um, on some of the platforms that take um, reviews. That really helps us um, get a better idea of what you like, what you don't like. Um, and this, please contact us. We can be reached on our social media as well as through email at three sykes and a mic at gmail.com. And we just want to say thank you and continue listening, sharing, and we will catch you next time. Bye, Bye. Bye everyone. Bye, y'all. <laughs>